0: and in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first generation when Quirinius was governor of Syria, Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, As it had been told them. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more." And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. And when the time had come for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. His father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew, became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Jesus' birth was a miracle. Because God's promise and God's faithfulness was being fulfilled. Even just in the passages of Scripture that we read in this time we've been together, you heard over and over again, he did this to fulfill what the prophet had spoken, or he was a Nazarene as the prophets had spoken, or this happened so it might be fulfilled as the prophets had spoken. Now these prophets that this text is referring to are people who said and wrote things that are separated by hundreds of years, some of them thousands of years. And they spoke these things concerning the coming Messiah, the coming Christ, the one who would bring salvation for all of mankind, the one who would restore right relationship between God and man. And yet all of these prophecies had been fulfilled. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament has over 300 prophecies concerning the Messiah, concerning Jesus. And he fulfilled every one of those 300-plus prophecies. Now, what are the odds of that happening, of one person during one specified time meeting and coming and confirming all of these prophecies that had been given thousands of years before? If you tried to visualize this chance of one of these prophecies coming true, it would be like this. People much smarter than me came up with this calculation that if you would take 10 to the 17th power worth of silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas, every square inch of the state of Texas, they would cover the entire state two feet deep. That's what 10 to the 17th power would be of silver dollars on the square mileage of Texas the whole face of the state two feet deep and then if you selected one silver dollar out of that pile and you marked it with a red marker and then you blindfolded someone and let them fly in a helicopter over the state and drop it somewhere randomly and then you took a big spoon because it's Texas there's going to be big spoons there you take a big spoon and you somehow stir up all of those silver dollars and then you drop Another person off blindfolded to try to retrieve that coin, and they've only got one shot to go in there blindfolded, and the first coin they pick would have to be that red coin. That's about the chance that it would be that all of these prophets, all of these people separated by thousands of years, would write all of these prophecies and that the Messiah would fulfill these words. That should give us great comfort. That should give us great hope, knowing. That God has set these things in motion and specific details in his word Jesus fulfilled about places, about times, things he would do, where he would be from, what he would do with his life and the purpose in which that he came. That's why the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans chapter five and verse six through 11. For while we were still weak, listen to this next part, at the right time, By the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is good news. That's what we mean when we say the gospel. The word gospel means good news. The good news for you and I is that Jesus came into human history, as Paul wrote, at the right time to be born of a virgin, fulfilling the law of God, fulfilling the prophecies in order to show us who he was and why he came. He came to bring reconciliation between God and man. He came to save us from our eternal destination of forever being separated from God. He made a way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And no man comes to God except by faith in Jesus. So how do you receive this salvation? Do you perhaps try to be a nice person? You know, maybe a person who, you know, doesn't get angry, who doesn't swear or steal or lie. Do you try to maybe offset the bad you've done and try to maybe perhaps do more good than wrong that you've done? Because we all can maybe acknowledge we've done wrong. And maybe we feel that if we do enough good, that if there is a God, that maybe at the end of our lives, he'll see that we've tried really hard to do more good than bad. And then maybe he'll welcome us into his kingdom forever. But that approach of redemption is going to ultimately fail because it's dependent on how, you, how good you can be. The gospel is not a message of how good you can be in order to earn God's love, favor, forgiveness, or acceptance. The message of the gospel is one of grace. Here's what grace is. Grace is you getting what you did not deserve. You didn't earn it. You did nothing to deserve it. Jesus does not need help in saving you. His salvation is a free gift. And just like any gift, you must accept it. The Scripture says over and over to repent and be saved, to confess with your mouth and to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. The Scripture says to repent or to turn away from trusting in your good deeds as a pathway to God and instead trust Jesus, the perfect sinless one who was born in a manger, the one that we are celebrating the eve of his birth today to trust that he took the punishment of your sin on the cross, he's alive because death could not hold him. He is drawing you to himself today by his spirit. So will you respond on this Christmas Eve to the message of the gospel? The message that not only will change your life here on earth, but the message that can change your eternity. You receive Christ by faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God, for he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Will you trust in Christ today? Will you repent today? Because I believe that today is the day of your salvation. You may be here in the room, you may be sitting out in our commons area, you may be watching online. I believe that today is the day of your salvation because you thought you were just showing up to a Christmas Eve service where you were going to sing some Christmas carols. You were going to hear the story of Jesus and the birth of Christ. You were going to hear about the shepherds, the wise men, the gifts. You're going to sing Silent Night, and all those things are good, and all those things are correct. But perhaps God intended for this moment, at this point in your life, to be, to come face to face with your own need for a Savior, your own need for Jesus. And perhaps even in this moment, the Spirit of God is drawing you to Himself. The Scripture says that no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So perhaps the Spirit of God is drawing you today. What do you need to do? You need to respond. You need to say, Lord, I acknowledge what you're doing in my life. I don't know if that's you. I haven't prayed or I haven't Talk to you in a long time or I've never talked to you, God, it feels strange talking to you. But perhaps in this moment is the day of your salvation. perhaps in this moment is the day where Jesus becomes much more real to you than he ever has before. Maybe before it was just a story, and maybe today is the day where you say, "Yes, Jesus, I, I need you. I've been trusting in myself. I need your forgiveness. I've been trusting in my own ability to be good. <laughs> I've been trusting in my own ability to try to be right in your eyes. And instead, I, I, I want to trust in what Jesus did on the cross. Perhaps that's what this Christmas Eve service is about for you. Maybe for some of you who have already put your faith and hope in Christ, maybe you've been wrestling throughout this year, as we all have, with doubts. How could God be good in everything happened that's happened this year? It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you're really discouraged. Maybe you've gotten tired of trying to trust God through storms like what we faced. Maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you're very anxious and afraid. Whatever the case may be, I hope that today, that through the reading of the Scripture and through hearing about the prophecies fulfilled, that you will walk away with this, that God is faithful. And that if he fulfilled all those things that he was going to do back then, then that means he hasn't stopped fulfilling his promises today. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means the good things that he said that he's going to do, he's still going to do them, even in the face of all the negative things we see. The things he wants to do in you and through you, he's still going to be faithful to see those things through. He wants you to trust in him. And some of the greatest opportunities for us to trust in Christ is when we weather storms, when we go through challenges, where we have to hunker down and go, I need you, Jesus. I want to trust in you. And sometimes we don't have anywhere else to turn. And we just look up and we go, I got nothing else, Jesus. I need you. And Jesus has been there the whole time saying, I'm all you've ever needed. Perhaps today is the day where you recognize that in your own life. Maybe today is the day where you repent of your own trust in yourself, where you trust in Jesus alone, that he is good and that he is enough. The Jesus that we're singing about, the Jesus that we've been reading about, the Jesus that was born in a manger, who lived a sinless life and who died in your place, that you might become new, that you might be forgiven, that you might become right in in, in God's eyes by his gracious, sacrificial gift of love. That's what the scripture means in John 3.16 where he says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Lord, help us to receive that free gift. Help us to trust in You and Your goodness. Forgive us for trusting in our own way and our own brand of righteousness and goodness. Let us rest solely on what Christ has done the thing none of us could have done. And let us with gratitude, thankfulness, and awe be thankful for that baby that was born in a manger. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you for your love, for your grace. Help us to rest in that. Help us to receive that gift. Help us to continue to have our hearts' affection focused solely on you. In Jesus' name. Amen.